Welcome to Love Your Family again and again and again and again, the podcast where we focus on parenting with love and clarity. I'm Dr. Marcy, a family culture expert who for over 20 years has been helping parents to create happy and strong families. I am here with Julia, who while this is going to be our first conversation, I have heard about the magic that she creates in the world, and I am excited to hear about the magic that she creates in her own family. So welcome, 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 Julia. Hello. How are you? I'm fabulous and so excited to have you here. So let's start at the beginning. Tell us who's in your family. So it's me, of course. (laughs) Uh, My husband, Javon. Uh, we have known each other for 18 years now. We've been together nine and we've been married for four. Um, my oldest daughter, Lila, she is 11. And my little toddler, uh, who is two and kind of feels like maybe she's 32. Uh, and our dog that we adopted a few months ago, his name is Jeezy. And he's a poodle mix, but I don't consider him a kid, but my husband considers him a sibling because him and my toddler go back and forth like siblings. And what's your siblings, your two-year-old's name? Zora. Zora. Beautiful. Thank you. All right. I love it. You have a good range. Yes. <laughs> different types of humans, different sizes of humans. I love it. Yeah. So given that you're a family of five, I'm going to call you a family of five because if your husband, you know, the dog... Is <laughs> a member of the family, even if they are not a sibling. We can have that debate in a different different time and space. Um, what's what's the one thing that is your family's go to glitter? That thing you know you will all enjoy and sometimes really need as a family bonding moment. So it's so simple, but it is walking to the park, um, and not like the swings and the slide, but it's a big open field. Um, and whenever we do that walk and we get there, the conversation just, it flows. We find out things about each other, uh, that we might not have like spoken about jokes are made, um, just like good earnest conversation. And that seems to always be the thing like, oh, we walked to the park today and that's all we did, but what a great day it was. I love that. Thank you. I, so I usually think of families going to the park as being a playground. And what you're saying is it's not a playground. Like you bring a sheet, you hang out in the grass and it is not even the destination that is where the magic is, that the glitter happens in the transition. Yes. Like that's such a life life lesson, right? It's the journey, right? They say it's the journey, not the destination. You literally, your best moment is the journey. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. So beautiful. I think that might be the first time I have heard the walk to the park being the magic place, but the fact that you learn as a family doing that is amazing. All right. So let's chat about things that are feeling tricky for you as a mom these days. What's been going on that has been kind of, you've been pondering quite a bit. Uh, so I, uh, I feel like I've been talking to friends and family a lot about where I am as a parent right now since I I was 21 when I had my my oldest daughter Lila um and at that point I didn't know anything besides I have to parent right I have to be able to provide for this kid um 
And I guess it's important to note that my, my oldest daughter is not actually biologically my husband's. And I was a single parent. Um, and I just knew I needed to take care of this little baby. And so in my mind, that looked like, of course, you know, the foundation, food, clothes, somewhere to live. And she got older, going to school. Um, but when I had my younger daughter, Zora, at 31, uh, I knew at that point the type of parent that I wanted to be. Like, I realized that a type of parent existed and there were things that my child needed um, outside of, you know, food and, and clothes and a roof. Yeah. So it's a it's a different journey this time around. Absolutely. So first and foremost, I want to highlight that at 21, you knew you needed to provide for your daughter. You knew that food was important and clothes was important and school was important and that you stepped into that because being a young mom, sometimes we're not in a space where we realize how much another human needs from us. So recognizing that you gave your daughter so much as you were learning what parenting meant and really learning to be a grown up on your own is a huge gift. Right. And now for your second baby, 10 years later, like 10 years is a lot of time to learn about being a human in the world. Yes. How much even more fabulous you are as a parent, because you know that there's different types of parenting and there are different elements other than just protecting her as a human. Right. My guess is that what you're doing for the the questioning and the exploration that you're doing for Zora is also benefiting Lila because at 11, she's still learning so much from you. There's still so much growth that she's going to have. There's so much parenting left that is still going to happen. So all of this questioning, well, let me, let me ask it this way rather than making a statement is how does that difference feel for you? It is a much bigger transition than uh, I even thought it could be. Um, because I realized that in my effort to, uh, almost be just, you know, really like a provider for my older daughter, I was missing out on some of her emotional needs, you know, some, some connection. Uh, when I had her at 21, for me, it was really about, you know, making sure she, she didn't feel lack, right. Making sure that she had, you know, stability and everything that she she needed, but that also looked like it looked like me working a lot. It looked like me not always being uh, emotionally available. And now, uh, I mean, I was really blessed to be at home with my daughter Zora. The whole two years that she's been on this earth, yes, it was great. I didn't miss any uh, milestones, and that was wonderful. And it made me look back and think about all of the kind of moments that I missed out with my, my oldest or all the, all of the connection I couldn't give her in my effort to, to be a provider. And I think I'm struggling to kind of maybe make up for that a little bit, um, but figure out how to establish something that necessarily wasn't always there from the beginning mm. and to, to give myself grace because um, I did what I could with what I knew. And at 21, right, being like a younger mom, it just meant there were a lot of older people telling me how to parent. Um, and for that, I feel like 
you know, I want to make, I want to make up with that, with my oldest, because also at 11, it's like, she's at a funky age. She's like, I'm still a kid, but I'm a teenager because I'm in middle school and I have a phone. Um, and I, I want to make sure that I, I make a real connection before, you know, before she kind of goes out into the world and is, and looks for it elsewhere. So many good, thoughtful things in there, right? And so for me, the biggest piece to reflect to you is that you are being really thoughtful. You're you're building your awareness as you're getting it, right? Your awareness now is different than your awareness when Lila was two. Like that's that's real. But sometimes the best way to parent is by questioning things and looking at them and figuring out how. And you've got that, which means innately you are an, an amazing parent. So from all the things you just said, the first thing that I want to kind of touch on is the giving yourself grace that you know you did the best you could with the tools you had at the time when you were raising your oldest and that because you were young, it's really easy to listen to everybody else's opinions and assume they know better. Partly because that's how we're raised. Like as we are kids, we are taught the elders, the elders know whether it's our parents or whether it's our teachers, like we are told to look to other grownups and they have the answers. So as you were right. just becoming an adult, right? 21, you're just crossing that line emotionally, mentally, in all of those ways, you were placed in this very big responsibility of being a mom. And so trusting the others around you was a really smart move. Thank you. Really smart move. Does it mean that at times some somebody told you to do something that wouldn't have been what your heart would have led you to do? Yeah. But at 21, you didn't know how to listen to your heart the way you do now. So I also believe that mom guilt is real and that there is so much in our world and society that's like, you should be able to do it all. And that's a lie. And you can't. Yes. And so the fact that for your oldest, providing for her and being there for her meant you working a lot, meant you making sure there was food on the table is awesome. Is awesome. Thank you. Right? There are there are things in this world that your daughter didn't have to struggle through because of how you listen to other people and how you knew to provide. Is there still more she's going to have to learn and are there things to repair? Sure. There will be with your two-year-old as well when she's 12 because nothing's perfect. Right. So I can appreciate that the distinction between seeing every one of your little one's milestones and not having had that with your older one can have so many complex feelings in it. And I just want from the outside to say to you so that perhaps you can hear it in a different way is like you gave both of them tremendous gifts by what you provided in those first few years, although it was really different. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. So as that sinks in, let's talk about some tools to, to do it different. Like how do we make the repair? How do we build the emotional connection that you didn't know to build with your 12 year old because she's, she's, you know, growing up and how do we make sure that that stays with your little one? Because Life will change and grow. So how do you how do you do it? One is, even though things were different, you are now the same person in both of their lives, right? The the growth that you've had, the 
realizations you've had, the I want to be this kind of parent, all of that awareness and curiosity and learning you're bringing to both of them in this moment. And that perhaps can help you say, oh, wait, it's not that I'm still a different parent for my oldest than my youngest. They're just at different stages. So you're doing different things, but you are still coming from that same place in your parenting wisdom, in your parenting journey, in your heart. And making that distinction, right? Same is not equal. So both of your girls need different things, just like your dog needs a different thing than either of your kids need, right? right? So you're going to say, okay, I know that I need to build emotional connection. What does that look like for my two-year-old? What does that look like for my 12-year-old, 11-year-old? I keep wanting to make her 12. She's 11, right? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Well, she wants to be, she must feel that. (laughs) Energetically, she's a little, she's a couple months advanced. Um, exactly. And just saying, okay, so so what what small step do I take today? What is the conversation I open? How do I show up? What are the activities that will build that? And with your two-year-old, building that emotional connection, my guess is because you've been there for so many milestones and you've been raising her in this different perspective, it feels more natural and organic and you know what those things are, Right. It's making sure you're sitting and reading together. It's making sure that you have one-on-one time with her, that when you're eating, you, you know, stop and are having that, that connected moment because food is such a way that we connect. And with your older, my guess is it feels a little more foreign because A, she's older and it's harder to build emotional connection with older kids, but also because it hasn't always been there. You're like, well, what does it look like? And so what I want to ask at this point is like, what are the, the mom Lila moments that you could create like as mother daughter dates for a 12 year old? Cause things that I think of are like, maybe you walk to the park, just you and her one day a week without everybody else. Maybe you guys go and get your nails done together. And maybe that's a, we do that only on special occasions, but a way to help her feel like she's growing. Right. Or maybe she gets her nails done all the time. And that's cool too. But, you know, depending on, on who she is in the world, maybe you got, you have Tuesday night dinner where she helps you cook because sometimes sitting down and being like, we're going to have a heart to heart right now doesn't work, but creating a special time and a moment because she's at that transitional age, she's not too cool to not want to do it. And if you build in that routine, it will stay there. So what are some activities that you would imagine for just you and her that you would, you both would enjoy doing? Uh, It's funny. I've been thinking about this a little bit because I I mentioned earlier we're at a funky age and that might be a little bit literal. My kid smells like outside when she comes home. (laughs) So I'm, I'm thinking uh, one thing she loves, she loves to play in my stuff. Um, perfume, makeup, earrings, you name it. And I feel like maybe a weekly or bi-weekly uh, mommy and me self-care night would probably be something that she loves. So it feels like, you know, we can put on a little sheet mask or something, have some popcorn and kind of like chill out and, and do the little things that she sees me do and make her a part of that. Um, and she's also expressed an interest in cooking or baking. So I've kind of been figuring out what are some recipes um, that we can try out together 
uh, just to like build her confidence and her skills in the kitchen. So I'm thinking like maybe like a weekly uh, cooking where she cooks the dinner really. Ooh, I love that. And my guess is that there are certain things that you love to cook that are kind of like family staple meals. (laughs) Yes. Those are the things that you should teach her how to cook. Because while sometimes we step back and we're like, well, what can I teach her that's simple or that she wants to cook? I'm thinking in 15 years from now, when she's a grown up and she's living on her own, what is she going to want? She's going to want the food that tastes like home to her. Right. So teaching her, like when I think of home and I am many years away from being a child, I think of my mom's brisket. Like my mom Mm. for every holiday, like, you know, Jewish dinner is brisket right? Like Jewish holiday dinner, we have brisket. And so there are times where I just want my mom's brisket because it feels like love. It feels like a warm hug. And so it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I actually went home and I was like, mom, I don't know how to make your, like, what, what do you do? I need to learn. And we like spent the day in the kitchen making brisket because I couldn't be 40 and not know how to do that. I love that. Yeah. So there may be foods that you don't think are special or feel complicated that you're like, my daughter doesn't need to know how to do that yet. Like we need to boil water, make pasta, which might be the place to start, but make sure that as you're thinking about cooking with her and her cooking dinner, the part of that process is teaching her your family recipes. I love that. I love that. Yeah. The other thing I want to highlight is that I love the idea of like mommy daughter self-care nights because it is a beautiful bonding experience. And we all know that, you know, you put a little face mask on and you start saying things that you didn't even know were in your heart. It just comes out. It gives you something to be doing during the bonding. And it is a skill that will serve her life. So many of us as adults just start running so fast that we forget to take that time. And if you build that nurturing into her life now, also in those crunchy teenage years at like 15, 16, 17, if she's like, oh yeah, but mom and I are going to do feet masks this night, she'll still come home for it, which will be really lovely. Really lovely. I love that. It's giving me the feels already. Yay! (laughs) And remember that there are going to be times where you're doing the self-care night and nothing interesting is going to have been said. Nothing important, no big secret is going to be revealed, no truth will be shared. And that is still building emotional connection. Okay. Sometimes we think that if like, I don't bear my soul to you, we're not there. But the truth is emotional connection is built by time together and having a safe space if I choose to disclose. I don't always have something big and important to tell you, but knowing that there's a space for it means that when I do, I know I can share it. And the other side of that is to make sure that you're disclosing too. Sometimes with our kids, it's always, how was your day? How are you feeling? What's the drama in your life? What, what can I help you problem solve? And what in this tween age can sometimes open that door bigger than anything, and especially in that, those teenage years, is by saying, I, I have a problem I need your help with, or I'm really sad about this thing and I just wanted to share it with you, or this great thing happened and I wanted to share it with you. But if we model what vulnerability and transparency and sharing looks like, our kids are more likely to be able to reciprocate. Uh, you know, it's, it's 
it seems really simple, but it was such like an aha moment for me to hear you say that. Well, to hear you mention that, um, don't forget to share, you know, and how big that can be. Or that sometimes she's not always going to have big news because sometimes it feels that way. Sometimes it feels like, um, I think a perfect example is last week school started. And like I said, she transitioned from elementary to middle school. And I, I picked her up on the first day and we are teaching her how to take the public bus. Um, right. Very big step. So I, I take her, we're walking to the bus stop and we're talking and I'm, I'm asking questions about how her day is and get off and we're walking home. She's like, you know, it was okay, Ma. It was okay. And Friday, my husband picks her up and he's got a million stories from her. And I'm like, I asked a million questions. Where are my stories? <laughs> um, and so I think that that is something I definitely am going to keep in mind is, you know, like, well, the stories happened Friday and that's why he got the stories and not necessarily that she's withholding. And um, I don't, I'm going to hold on to that one. That is like pinned in my brain right now. And then of course, just, you know, knowing uh, reciprocity, right. It has to go both ways. Mm-hmm. I need to uh, maybe give her an insight sometimes because I know uh, like if I'm overwhelmed or I'm sad is I know that I can become like snappy or a little bit withdrawn, withdrawn. And I don't want her to, to think it's her. That's, I think that's another big one. I never want my kids to think it's them, but there's always that question of like, okay, what can I share? What is age appropriate? Um, But she's so intuitive that it's like holding the information in is almost working against me because she can see something is wrong and she wants to know what's wrong and she wants to make mommy feel better. And so I think I'm kind of like figuring out what to say or how much to say. I love that question because here's the truth that nobody talks enough about. Our emotional stance, our emotional feelings in any moment should always be shared. That's not the confidentiality. That's not the age appropriate thing. You feeling angry or frustrated or anxious or upset or excited and delighted. That's that's not out of any kids under, your two-year-old gets that. I mean, maybe we don't want to use big, complicated words around our feelings, but your two-year-old gets feelings. I'm feeling, she'd be like, oh yeah, me too. I get that. And somehow we're like, but we shouldn't talk about it. Well, what is making you feel that thing is how we have to figure out the, uh, the age appropriate translation because our kids don't need all of the details or if it's something really tragic in the world, maybe we don't want to open them to that reality of the world. Sometimes we don't know and it feels like we shouldn't tell our kids that we don't understand our own feelings. But the truth is we don't understand our own feelings and neither do they. So it is always, always, always appropriate to share how you're feeling. The discernment comes with, how do I share why I'm feeling this way? And you can always go real high level. I'm feeling this way because something at work is just complicated. I'm sharing this way because someone was mean to me. I'm sharing that I'm feeling this way because I was mean to somebody and I didn't mean to be. I'm sharing, I'm, I'm feeling this way because I really miss a friend who has passed away, right? Like you can always go really high level because that's not the important part. The important part of sharing is how we're feeling. 
right? Your, your kid isn't your therapist, but your kid knows how you feel and wants to make you feel better. So if you say, I am just feeling so crunchy and I have no idea why, but life just feels hard right now. Well, then you can also say, and it would be really great to just have a hug from you. That's a great parenting moment because it models being clear and vulnerable with how you're feeling and asking for your needs. Mm. Right? That that if if you're older had that skill set, if you're younger learns that skill set, that's magic. Right. right? If you say I am so angry right now because something happened today and it feels just so unfair and I can't make any sense of it and I just really need to hear something good to remind me how much good there is in the world. Can you tell me a good story about your day? That's totally appropriate. Both of your kids know there's good and bad in the world, right? Your two-year-old thinks that, hopefully, your two-year-old thinks the bad thing is when she wants chocolate milk and can't have it, which may be very different than the bad thing that happened in your day, but bad feels bad and they can get that, right? Your your, your 11-year-old's version of the bad thing might be that a friend was mean to her in the hallway and hopefully that is the version of what's bad in her world, right? It's which may not again compare to the bad thing that happened in your day. The details aren't what's important. The here's how I'm feeling and here's what I need to make it feel better. Or here's what I'm feeling and here's how I want to celebrate it. Will you join me? That's how you build the connection. Yeah. I, it, like I said, it seems so simple, but it makes so much sense. It's like so much clarity. Um, uh, in the words of a friend of mine, it just, it doesn't have to be that serious. It doesn't have to be that complicated. No, but, but we complicate it when we really want to do good, mm. right? Like we want to get every, you want to get every piece of your parenting perfect. And because you are thinking so much about your journey as a parent and the journey feel, our feelings are super complicated. Like it feels complicated. And therefore, we get our thoughts complicated, but it's not. None of it is. And, and I love that your friend is like, it's not that serious. Because the truth is, any individual parenting moment, not that serious. It is the collection of them that is serious, that, that helps you raise amazing humans. So any one interaction is not going to make or break either of your kids, or you, or your husband, or your dog. <laughs> any individual moment that has less than grace in it, that's fine because that's going to happen because you're human. It's when overall you see, did I have grace? Did I come from a good place? Did I, did I keep doing the same thing that I didn't want to do as a mom? Okay. Well, that's when we have, that's when we have to step back and be like, okay, something's off track. Right. 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 But if you have one moment that's not great and then one moment that's rocking the world and then one moment that's horrible and then one moment that's middle of the road, that's life. And we have to give ourselves space for that. And I think going back to that kind of mom shame and guilt, there's some story out there that gets absorbed into us of every moment is so precious and matters. No, just make sure you're having those connected, caring rock star moments. And as long as they're sprinkled in, everything will be okay. The rest is life. I love that. It's very big picture. Yeah. And I love that because I, I, it's so easy to like focus on the shortcomings. 
that sometimes it's not until I step back and I realize, oh my gosh, my kid is amazing. Like, she's very funny. She is so observant. She's so caring. And I'm like, well, I guess I am doing something kind of right. <laughs> you totally are. Now, here's my question about that. How often do you tell her that she's amazing and funny and great? Ooh, okay. So I I found myself doing it more recently. Um, I think if I'm being very transparent here, my level of self-awareness reflected how often I was capable of doing that. Um, and so when I felt like I was failing, I felt like I didn't have the words to be like, oh, you're still amazing. Cause I'm looking at maybe the things that needed work, right? Like I, my, uh, any issues that might arise or anything that might just need correction, right? I look at it as a shortcoming and I'm focusing on that. And so I'm, it's kind of, uh, creating a blind spot of all the amazing things. But I found that since I personally started therapy and I can say I'm amazing and I can say you're amazing because right now my, my two tops right now as a parent are making sure that my child likes herself and making sure that my child knows that I don't just love her, I like her. And you're likable. So those are my two tops. And I realized like, um, especially with her going like into fifth and sixth grade, it was like, no, I want you to validate yourself. I want you to know that you're likable. I don't want you to question when things happen if it's you. I want you to be like, it was a situation. It was a one-off. I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but I'm amazing. Yes. Yes to all of that. Okay. So let's break out a couple pieces in there because I'm like, dancing out of my skin with all of those things. <laughs> the first piece being that parenting and relationships are interactional, right? When you couldn't see the good in yourself, you couldn't see the good in your child. And we need to remember that, that that's not how it has to be. That is how it naturally is. But, but we're not all one or the other. You weren't a bad parent when you couldn't see the good. You just were only looking at the parts that you wanted to grow. But any moment that we are in a growth moment, which is life, then there's also good things. And the balance often depends on our perspective. When we start looking for the, for the challenges, there are more of them mm. and we amplify them. When we start looking for the good, there are more of them and we amplify them. And so it sounds like you are past this moment, but for whoever's listening, if you are having one of those moments where all you see is the challenges and it's hard to see the light, then just find one moment every day of goodness and remind yourself that that happened. One moment for yourself, one moment for your child. Because if you start intentionally looking for it, you will be able to find it and you will organically start seeing more of it. But you're past that, Julia, right? Like you're at the place where you're like, I know I'm amazing. So I see that my kid can be amazing, which is fantastic. And that you're talking to her about that. But my favorite part of all the things you just said is that you want to make sure that she not only knows that you love her, but that you like her because those are different things. Yes. Now, it is really important that our kids know that we love them and that we love them unconditionally and that we're not going anywhere. And we do that by continuously telling them, like telling your kids, I love you 
may seem like a simple thing, but sometimes in the busyness of life, we forget to say it out loud. Or we, we need to tell them, I'm doing this for you because I love you, right? Like if, it, if, though, if that type of language just becomes everyday common language in your home, so much easier for them to remember that they are loved. That I will, no matter what happens, you can come talk to me because I will always love you, right? Especially at her tween age, I have a big belief that we need to tell our kids, you can tell me anything and I will always love you because she's hitting that age where she might do some things that aren't great. Yes. And knowing that she is always going to be loved, no matter what happens near her, around her, through her. She will always be loved me and she'll always know that she can come talk to you about it. And then on top of that, that she's likable and you like her and teaching her the difference between those two things, because we all have people in our lives that we love dearly and we have moments that we don't like them. Doesn't mean we don't like them overall, but there are moments. And that not defining her entire relationship with anybody is an awesome gift, but also her being able to say, and I think you said something like, it was a one-off. I'm not everyone's cup of tea. Teaching your child that at 11, do you know how different our lives would be as adults if we knew that, if we taught, were taught that when we were a kid? Yes. Yes. Whole different world. Whole different world. So do you have strategies that you've worked out on how to teach her that? Uh, usually it, it, it happens like a little Q&A session with her. Like I'll ask her if a situation happens. Well, like, how did you feel about that? Um, what did it make you think like of yourself? Do you, do you think you handled it well? Um, you know, it kind of like, I try to like always find out where she's at mentally and emotionally about something. And then either like reaffirming or being like, oh, but there is. So it usually is. It's really tiny moments. I don't have anything super huge besides like really asking what she thinks and feels so I can kind of understand her thought process or maybe the area that she's struggling. Um, so for us, I know one of them was just like feeling she had to prove herself to, you know, some people in her class sometimes. And I'm like, well, why did you think that she needed to say that? Or did you know that that thing was true? Well, if you knew that it was true, then why did it matter if they, they thought it was true or not? Um, and I kind of just try to put the thought in her head because I want her to ask herself those questions and be like, okay, well, I knew it was good. I knew it was true. And that's enough. I love this. That is a great way to do it. And it is those small moments that build our identities, right? So the fact that you're not like, we're going to sit down and have a hour long conversation about this. No kid takes in information that way. So I love these small moments of it. And I have... Two additional thoughts for you. Okay. One is find a phrase or two that embodies that concept Mm -hmm. to you, right? So, and then use them all the time so that they become like a part of the motto of your family. So for me, one of the, one of the catchphrases that I use that I try to teach as many parents as possible is to say, we can do hard things. Because I think resiliency is so hard and so important. It changes everything. We can do hard things. And because I know that that is just a phrase that I use all the time, it's actually on a piece of art in my kitchen. So I see it all the time. Like it's just in my life. It means when something hard happens and someone's like, oh my gosh, I can't, I just, I'm not sure if I can get out of bed today. And I'm like, 
Yeah, you can, because you can do hard things. So it's not just the like, well, did you know that to be true? So why does it matter what other people think? Having it be like, that must have been really tough, but you know your worth. So you get to keep going. So it just becomes a phrase that she can like unconsciously absorb into her being. You know your worth. Oh my gosh, you cooked an amazing dinner. That was fantastic. I hope you know your worth because it just came out in this food. Right? Just, you know, think of one or two phrases, right? The other another big one for me is I I say I am amazing or you are amazing all the time. And it's written like I have a post on my computer that says I am amazing. Um and so you'll hear me. It it comes out in my language all the time because it's language that I actively think every day. And so I feel that about myself more often than not because I tell myself and I see it all the time. And so then I am also back to your interconnectivity, tell people more often that they are amazing. Mm. So that's one. And the second recommendation around this for you is share moments from, from your life too. So you're doing the teaching through her moments and helping her see She's great no matter what happened. Here's how we problem solve. Here's how we think about that. And I love that. And so at dinner, also make sure you're sharing moments from yourself. Have your husband share moments from his life in which those lessons came through. You know, I was at the grocery store and this woman behind me was having such a hard time being online and it was moving slow and she was so cranky. And at first I was like, did I, am I in her way? Did I do something? And then I was like, nope, she's having a bad moment and I'm going to send her love because she surely needs it. And I put on my headphones and I started listening to music and dancing because her bad energy wasn't coming my way. And you just kind of like mention a quick story, not in a, I'm going to teach you something, but it just to like, this is what happened in my day that demonstrates the, it wasn't about me. I am likable. I'm not everyone's cup of tea, but I am awesome. Perspective. So she can see it in real life. I love that. I love that. A, my husband's motto is I'm amazing. (gasps) I love that. (laughs) It's in his email? Absolutely. It's in his personal email. And um, and Wait, where? I need to put this in my email. Where does this go? It is the name. (laughs) Amazing. Like I am amazing at gmail.com. Absolutely. I think I'm in love with your husband. I'm so (laughs) delighted to know that there's a person out there that made that happen. Yes. Okay. Tell me more. Had a theme song. It's it's amazing by Kanye West. And when he's feeling so good about himself or when he's facing something he's got to do, he's got a heavy workload or something's expected of him. He puts that song on and he's like, I'm amazing. Let's get it. And that is literally his motto and um and it's funny because it gave me permission to be like I'm amazing and now my daughter is like hey guys did you know we're an amazing family like did you know we're funny or did you know we're great and I love that so I I I giggled a little when you said it because I'm like my husband was on to something he didn't even know he was on to something yes and I love we can do hard things because I'm a doula and I tell my clients, I say, the thought I want you to have when we're working through this contraction is I can do anything for a minute. I can do anything for a minute. And I kind of live by the model that 
we just have to take life minute by minute. We take life minute by minute. And so I can do anything for a minute, including hard things. I love that. And I think we're going to rock out with that. I, you already have your family mottos. Your family <laughs> mottos are, I am amazing. We are amazing. And I can do anything for a minute, even hard things. Yes. Yes. And we live life minute by minute, yes. right? If I can do anything for a minute and I live life minute by minute, it means I can do anything no matter how long it lasts. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> the, the one other thing, and then we're going to wrap up because we could keep going, I know, is you said that your husband was onto something without even knowing it. And you being a doula, you know this, but I just want to highlight this, that in your parenting, there are, and in your humanity and emotional intelligence, there are things you innately know, your husband innately knows and trust that and follow that and do that, right? There's so many good nuggets that you have been dropping that you're like, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm thinking about it. And because our feelings can be complex, we can make complicated stories around them. As opposed to reminding ourselves that we have innate wisdom within our beings that allow us to do the things that serve us and the people around us. Your husband knew that being amazing was going to trickle down to everyone around him and benefit the people that he loves most. And so he held on to it because it serves him and those around you. All right. So thinking back to where we started this conversation of it feeling really different to have your two-year-old now than it did when your oldest was two, trust the innate wisdom that took you through all of those different pieces of the journey. Trust the wisdom of your oldest daughter that she got the lessons from you and the support that she needed to be amazing with who she is now. And trust that you are going to give your youngest exactly what she needs to, that that innate wisdom grows with us. And comes through in all different ways, even when you don't have someone to frame it for you. Thank you. I'm I'm taking it all in and I'm like holding on to it. Good. Hold on to it with both hands. So here is my question for you then. What is your one golden nugget? Your one big takeaway? Because I know there have been a lot of things that have been said that have been that you have had that huge aha moment. What is the one that you want to make sure you double down on and hold with both hands? I think I'm going to go with trusting my mom feelings, trusting my my mother's intuition um, and having grace. I have to do my two. They're, they're so closely intertwined. So I would definitely say trusting myself and then having grace. I think having grace for myself is going to allow me to trust myself a little bit more when it comes to, you know, having what I want with my kids. Yes. And you know, when they're intertwined, they become one. I support that. I totally support that. I love that. I think that that is a great one. And it will keep bringing you back to all of these other pieces. Because once we learn something, we might forget it, but we never unlearn it. So all of those other pieces that you're like, I'm, yes, that, that landed. Well, now it's in your system somewhere. And if you trust your mom instinct, it will come up at the right moment. Yes. 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 So the one other thing, because you shared so many fabulous pieces of wisdom with us and knowing that you are a fabulous doula because we got connected through a mom who you helped become a mom. I'm just wondering, is there somewhere that if a parent is listening to that and wanting to know about your doula services that they could find you? Absolutely. So I have an Instagram 
and I have an email. They're both the same name. Uh, the name of my business is 357 Holistic Services. Uh, and they can email me at that. They can email me at 357holisticservices at gmail.com. Or they can visit me on Instagram under that same name. Fantastic. So I'm going to put your Instagram and your email in the description of this podcast episode. But go follow her because as you can hear, Julia is open and vulnerable and shares from her heart what's going on and also has some really amazing skills. So go find her and check it out. Julia, thank you so much for being here, for sharing, for being in this conversation with me. And I am so excited for your kids to have such an intentional, thoughtful mom in their lives. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on the podcast to be able to talk to you. And and thank you for all the gems that you shared and just the clarity that you provided today. I so appreciate it. You are so welcome. It was truly my pleasure. Thank you for listening. I know your time is precious and limited. I'm grateful that you shared it with us today. What's your one takeaway? Just one small step can make a big difference. Make sure you know when new episodes come out by subscribing here and joining my mailing list at drmarcy.com backslash podcast. Do you want to be a guest on a future episode of Love Your Family again and again and again and again? Then go to drmarcy.com backslash podcast guest and let me know. Finally, do you need individualized help for your family? Then go to drmarcy.com backslash contact and connect with my team to learn how we can help you. Remember, blue skies are ahead and we're going to get there together.